0: Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Today, Melinda and I are going to have a chat uh, and try and explain what makes up Greater Brisbane.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We've got some um, interesting information to share with you today because we really want to you know, dispel some myths, I guess, um, based on some of the inquiry that we get just to help people understand Brisbane a little bit more, especially if you are not local, just to unpack some of the local government areas.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people do um, look at data when they look at property. And obviously, um, Brisbane is quite a large area. So Melinda, can you give us a bit of a breakdown on what make up some of the areas of Brisbane?
0: So yeah, Brisbane as a whole or Greater Brisbane, as um, it's often called, actually is made up of eight council regions. And when we look at uh, core logic data, it actually incorporates all eight of these locations. So I'm just going to run through these uh, local government areas. Brisbane City Council, obviously, in the centre of them all, it's the largest local government Area in terms of population size and population density. Then we've got a smaller suburb or smaller local government area of Redlands. Um, so just jumping back to Brisbane, population density of 8.42 per hectare, Redlands, a density of 2.96 per hectare. Then we've got Logan Shire to the south of Brisbane. It sort of connects Brisbane to the Gold Coast, uh, population density of 3.48 per hectare, so a little bit uh, more populous than Redlands. Then uh, to the southwest of Logan, we've got the Scenic Rim, uh, population density of 0.1 per hectare, so very um, large masses of land, not many people living in that location. We've got Ipswich to the southwest of Brisbane, population density of 2.03 people per hectare. And then we've got the Lockyer Valley, which is to the west of Ipswich with a population density of 0.18 per hectare and um, to the north west we've got Somerset population of 0.04 per hectare so again large masses of land there um, lots of damming space as well where the dams uh, fill with water and then to the east of Somerset which is to the north of the Brisbane local government area we have Morton Bay with a population density of 2.26 per hectare so those areas as a whole make up Greater Brisbane um, in terms of the data
1: so when, when we look at the data then, and people people look at that, um, does it really reflect on, on Brisbane?
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that because when we calculate the total area of all of those local council regions, which um, are those eight regions I've just described, it's 17,414 kilometres squared of area. Now, Brisbane as a local government area actually only makes up about 7.7% of that total area. So, it's very um, a small proportion in comparison to the amount of data that's included in that monthly um, CoreLogic information. So, that hedonic um, home value index that does get published by CoreLogic Every month, that is made up of those eight council regions. Um, that's information that we obtained directly from CoreLogic a few months ago because uh, we really wanted to understand the data more and um, see why the, the data didn't reflect necessarily what we were seeing in certain locations.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. We get a lot of inquiries, um, people that don't know the Brisbane area so well, um, Greater Brisbane, as Melinda explained. Um, and we get inquiries about people wanting to buy within a roughly a 10-kilometre ring of the CBD. And they look at Brisbane and see a median uh, price of around five hundred and ten thousand. Um, is that something that is, is true? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it is true based on the data for Greater Brisbane, which makes up those eight council regions, and that's for dwelling values. And in fact. The most recent data that was put out by CoreLogic on the 31st of October does state that the median value for Brisbane dwellings is around that $510,000. And that can be a little bit confusing for some people who do make inquiries who are not local to the area because one thing that we get asked about is, well, I want to buy around the median value, but I want to be within that 10 kilometre ring Now, the reality is that um, the Brisbane local government area is where you would need to be within that 10-kilometre ring. However, Brisbane itself as a local government area has a median value for houses that's $694,000, not $510,000. So a little bit uh, different to the greater Brisbane uh, median value.
1: Yeah, I think you'd be doing... A, a miracle really to to buy something around 500 odd thousand in that 10 kilometer ring um, even if it was knocked down um, i think you'd struggle with that as well because the prices are obviously higher than that so now that you've touched on that median values can you just give us a bit of a rundown on those local government areas and just give us a breakdown on what those those values are
0: yeah so as i said um the housing values in the brisbane local government area um six hundred and ninety four thousand dollars is the latest data that we've got Um, available to us, whereas units and townhouses, which are grouped together, the median value there for the Brisbane local government area is $400,000. And And so that's quite different. So if you're talking townhouses and units, yes, you can buy uh, within a a 10 kilometre ring under $500,000, but not houses. Um, When we look at Morton Bay, which is to the north of Brisbane, Uh, the median value for that local government area is $450,000 for houses and $300,000 for units. Um, Heading to the west towards Ipswich, the median value for houses $349,500 and for units $216,000. Logan, which is to the south, we've got $400,000 as the median value for houses and $210,000 as the median value for units. And finally, Redlands, which is to the east of the Brisbane local government area, $508,500 as the median value for houses, $355,500 as the median uh, value for units. So a lot of disparity between the local government areas and certainly, you know, something that investors and home buyers need to be aware of if they're, you know, relying on greater Brisbane data, you really need to break it down to local government areas.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I guess then moving on from the, the median sort of values, people look at um, when they're investing, they'll, they'll look at capital growth, they'll look at yields. What about the, um, the gross sort of rental yields in those areas?
0: Well, I think one thing that a lot of investors are attracted to Brisbane um, for is the higher gross rental yields that um, we do produce. So when we look at um, different local government areas obviously different product types will produce different rental yields so when i talk about product types i'm talking about houses versus units typically units are a higher yielding asset class than houses Um, but we've also got quite a lot of disparity between local government areas um, for different uh, product types as well so let's break that down a little bit here So in the Brisbane local government area, the current median gross rental yield is 3.2% for houses um, and 5.4% for units. So that's quite different to the overall Greater Brisbane yield at the moment, which is 4.4% for houses. In Moreton Bay, um, it's more relative to or more representative of the Greater Brisbane numbers. Um, We've got 4.3% gross rental yields for houses and 5.1% for units. In Ipswich, slightly higher again for houses, the median gross rental yield is 4.8% and 6.3% for units and townhouses. In Logan, fairly high still as well, 4.6% is the gross rental yield for the area and 7.2% Um, for units. So you can see how um, high yielding those units are in that location. And finally, Redlands for houses, 4.1% gross yields and 5.1% for units. So hopefully that gives you an indication of the potential income that you can generate through rent in each of these locations, remembering, of course, to check vacancy rates because they can be um, impacting on the net returns. uh, So that's something to keep an eye on as well.
1: Yeah. And I think you did touch on that. We did touch on that on another episode previously um, as well. We did some, some updates obviously. So our monthly updates, we always do touch on those um, as well. But what about then when we look at the, the growth in certain areas? So probably a 10 year sort of growth.
0: I think that's really important for investors to understand because even those investors that are chasing cash flow, they want to make sure that they're not losing value or capital value in the asset itself. So um, we always need to consider the capital growth um, potential or the capital growth projection of uh, potential investment as well. So when we look at the past 10 years of growth in each of these local government areas, uh, we can look at Number one being the Brisbane local government area, which has experienced 35.6% capital growth over the last 10 years in house price values. Um, This was followed by the Redlands region, which experienced 22.4% capital growth over the last 10 years. In third place was the Moreton Bay region with 19.5% capital growth over the last 10 years. In fourth place was Logan with 14.45% capital growth over the last 10 years. And um, the last uh, location in Greater Brisbane um, coming in fifth place is Ipswich, which has experienced 14.45% capital growth over the last 10 years. So very big difference between the Brisbane local government area at over 35% compared to Logan at under 15%. um, So less than half. Of the the same capital growth over the last ten years, so from an investment perspective, that's um, that's a lot of money um, in you know uh, opportunity cost, if you like, if you're not looking at um, locations for their capital growth opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We've got um, some paperwork here in front of us that Melinda's sort of um, having a look at as well, and it is interesting when you look at that, and if you talk back to the um, the gross yields compared to the to the growth. Um, you know the difference in those yields from uh, an example of the 4.8, which was the, the highest in Ipswich, to 3.2 in Brisbane, but yet the percentage of of the capital growth is it far, Brisbane far outweighs um, some of the the, the lower ones. Um, you know Ipswich down to nine percent from 35 percent. So you definitely got to know how you're investing and why you're investing, um, and have a strategy for it as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why it comes down to making sure that your investment plan is individualised based on your unique circumstances, because, you know, if you are chasing sort of those rental yields at the compromise of capital growth, then it's definitely something to be aware of. Um, We can't guarantee what's likely to happen in the future in terms of capital growth, of course, because the future is largely unknown. But the best indicator of how an area is likely to perform in the future is how it has performed in the past. And then also looking at you know, how that area is changing and what the potential for um, changes in the balance between supply and demand looks like in an area looking forward. And that's obviously something that we help our clients to understand when they're working with us.
1: Yeah, it, um, it, a lot of people do talk about high yields and, and cash flow and things like that, um, buying in certain areas and looking at data. Um, I do think it's definitely worth thinking about your investment. It's a, it's a big investment and you don't want to make mistakes. So, Be smart and get get the right advice and don't just jump in and uh, into it straight away. So, um,
0: if you haven't already um, listened to our episode where we looked at vacant land value changes. Um, please sort of uh, take a step back and download that episode and, and tune into that as well, because we did unpack the changes in vacant land values historically in each of these local government areas as well. So what we've just discussed here is the house price changes, that is existing dwellings, but obviously the vacant land um, prices and the trends in those vacant land sales is also important because that helps us to understand, you know, what is the demand in certain pockets of uh, Greater Brisbane for vacant land as well.
1: So if we do a quick uh, snapshot on the areas, um, you've probably got a little bit of information there, maybe not on all of them, um, but let's give a just quick snapshot on, um, I think there's probably three that we've got there, Logan, Ipswich and Morton.
0: Yeah, so um, Logan, let's start with that one uh, first of all. So Logan, as I mentioned earlier, is between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. So it's south of the Brisbane local government area. Uh, the population of Logan, um, at the last recording, 334,358 people, and the area is about 959 square metres. Now, interestingly, there was a housing study that was released only a few weeks ago, the Logan Housing Study for 2020. Um, the Logan City Council uh, has released that report to help people understand you know, what Logan needs in terms of future housing supply. That showed that 65% of people in Logan own their home or are in the process of buying their home and the balance of people in that location are property investors and therefore they have tenants renting their properties. So that's a snapshot uh, at a local government area in terms of who lives in that location. But what that Logan Housing Study showed is that housing affordability is a growing concern for this region Um, and that many families are actually already experiencing housing stress. So that is something that um, people need to be aware of. Um, Now, housing stress can be defined in different ways, but um, that study referred back to um, a report which was Shaping Southeast Queensland, which is um, a state government um, regional plan. And it showed that Houses, um, whilst they can be on the outer fringe of urban areas um, and they can offer more affordable housing options, housing affordability is also assessed by the journey to work costs because when you live further out, um, there is an increase in the total cost of living uh, because you actually have to pay more for transportation to the work hubs. So, In this instance, um, that Logan housing study referenced not only the cost of living in the location, but also the journey to work costs. And what that resulted in is that there's a lot of uh, locations or a lot of households where more than 30% of total household incomes um, goes towards the cost of living. And therefore, that's why many families are experiencing housing stress.
1: Yeah, so um, that's Ipswich. What about, um, Oh, sorry, that was Logan. Sorry, what about uh, the Ipswich area?
0: So Ipswich is to the southwest of Brisbane and um, the Ipswich area as a whole has a population of around 222,307 people um, and the land size around 1,096 kilometres squared. So uh, quite an Uh, a a slightly smaller location um, than Brisbane City um, area itself. Now, the incomes in Ipswich um, average $1,410 per week for household incomes and the average rent at $310 per week. Uh, Now, the Ipswich City Council have released a similar study to that that I've described in Logan. It's called the Affordable Housing Forum, um, which was conducted back in 2017. Now, what came from that uh, information was that the median age of occupants in Ipswich was 32, uh, based on the last census. So um, it's quite, it's a little bit younger than the Queensland average at 37 and the Australian average at 38. Interestingly also is that 24% of residents in Ipswich are actually under 15 years of age. So, you know, again, very young population the other proportion of the population that is growing in this region is older residents 55 years or older so this highlighted that the different types of housing are needed to accommodate for these um, different demographics and this is something that you know it's really important to understand from an investment perspective so that you're buying the right type of asset that appeals to the majority of people in that location that Affordable Housing Forum also identified that um, there's a higher level of unemployment in the Ipswich region um, at 9% at the time compared to the then Queensland average, which was 7.6%. And interestingly, 48.6% of people work outside of the Ipswich local government area, which means they do travel. 86% of those people travel to the Brisbane local government area and uh, six Six to eight percent travel to Logan as a workplace, so that's also interesting. And referencing back to how you um, assess housing affordability, it certainly rings true in Ipswich as well. If there's a lot of people commuting to their work locations, you've got to account for those costs as well.
1: Yeah, we will touch on that the commute side of things um, in another episode. We've we talked about earlier. We'll we'll have a chat, um, and I'll mention it later on about some commute times, um, which will reflect some of these um, areas. So. Um, What about the um, Morton Bay Area?
0: Well, actually, before we move on to Morton, um, I just want to touch on the levels of home ownership in Ipswich. So we've got 58% of people being owner-occupiers in the Ipswich local government area. Um, So there's a much higher proportion of rental housing in that location um, compared to the typical buyer demographic. Um, it's also substantially higher uh, than Queensland as a whole and Australia as a whole. So 41% 41 of residents in Ipswich are renting their homes as opposed to owning those homes. So housing stress is also higher in the Ipswich region as a whole than in Queensland with 14% of occupants in housing stress compared with only 12% in Queensland as a whole. So you know their housing stress is predominantly experienced by renters as well rather than owner occupiers so that's interesting that some come out in that affordable housing forum as well
1: yeah that's that's quite a big number compared to um to the Queensland one definitely so yeah sorry if we do jump then to Morton um, in in the area of Morton Bay
0: yeah Morton Bay um you know they their information is a lot older in terms of the most recent housing needs assessment which was um, conducted back in Uh, 2011. So a little bit older now and that preceded an update to their planning scheme which came through a few years later. So what they identified at that time was they also have a younger population cohort with a lot more families and fewer aged residents compared with Queensland as a whole. Um, That said, there is a higher proportion of older residents in very concentrated locations and those two locations within Moreton Bay were Bribey Island and Redcliffe that's where the majority of the older residents are concentrated so that's obviously something to keep in mind because older residents are not um, the income earners anymore they are in retirement phase Um, so that's that also identifies the type of housing that typically is needed in those types of locations as well. Um, There's also a higher proportion of higher income earners in Moreton Bay um, compared to Logan and Ipswich. So more people as a proportion earning over $3,000 per week, um, even though the median value is similar. So remember, the median value is simply the middle score when all of the numbers are ranked from from the lowest number to the highest number whereas you can really see some outliers. If we looked looked at the average or the mean value, we would probably see a much higher mean income or average income in the Moreton Bay region simply because it is skewed to the upper end and there's more people on those higher incomes as well. The last thing I'll say about Moreton Bay is that there are higher levels at a local government area as a whole of home ownership. So 69% of residents in that location either own their home outright or are paying off a mortgage. So a much higher proportion compared to you know what we saw in the likes of um, Ipswich at
1: 58%. Yeah so I know that Melinda likes a a stats and a data and whatnot. There's actually some interesting um, stats that come out of that and uh, I do look at sort of the couple of areas and if you look at Ipswich for example there's, there's a lot of new housing out that way. There's Springfield Springfield area Springfield lakes and all of uh, Springfield which is part of Ipswich and Logan I think there was an announcement of some new um, dwellings or or land being released coming up for that which is quite a bit so there's a lot of new land um, and new buildings um, getting put in those areas as well.
0: Yeah there was a media release only a couple of weeks ago actually that um Uh, off the back of that Logan housing study saying that there's an additional 56,000 dwellings that are going to be built in Logan by 2036. So that alone is something that um, people need to be aware of. If you are looking for brand new homes, there's going to be 56,000 more of them in Logan soon. If you're a property investor, something to keep in mind if you are minimising the um, downside risk for future supply. So um, I'd love to sort of unpack how the future supply is likely to come in each of these locations as well. So, you know, in terms of future supply, it's something that we consider for you if you are a property investor, future supply can come by way of greenfield land that is subdivided for new house and land estates. It can also come by way of infill development, which is, you know, units and townhouses for a higher density type of development. So Brisbane as a whole is a rapidly growing city. And when we look at each of the local government areas, the future supply is all going to be delivered in slightly different proportions. So Brisbane local government area as a whole, we've got 94% of future supply that's going to result from infill development. That's simply because there is a scarcity of land in the Brisbane local government area now, there is not much greenfield land at all available for future development. So any future dwellings that are created are going to be infill development rather than greenfield development. Uh, When we look at Logan, we've got about 78% of future development or future dwelling supply going to be coming from house and land packages because of the availability of land and 22% that's going to be coming from infill development. Ipswich, we've got about 75% that's coming from house and land packages, again, due to the availability of land and the balance of 25% coming from infill development. Uh, When we go to Moreton Bay, We're looking at about 58% that's going to be coming from um, consolidation, which is infill development and the balance um, of that 42% going to be coming from uh, vacant land or new house and land estates. And then when we look at Redlands, and I know we haven't covered a lot of Redlands today, because I simply haven't had the data for that location, but I do have the the future supply data here and 73% is going to be coming from uh, infill development versus only 27% from the new house and land estates. So it gives you an idea of where that vacant land exists, what future dwelling supply looks like, and depending on what you're looking to buy, whether that is something that's a unit or townhouse or whether that's going to be a house on its own lot, it will help you understand what the future supply for similar products might be in each of those local government areas in the future.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually know you had all that information sitting there, but it, it sort of reflects what I what I mentioned before about um, those areas with a lot of new land coming up. So that that is interesting, and it's um, it's the way that uh, Brisbane, the Greater Brisbane area, is developing and changing rapidly over the years.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I've previously mentioned the majority of southeast Queensland's future land supply is coming from three council regions. That's Ipswich, Gold Coast um, and the Logan Shire. So it's definitely something that people need to be aware of if they are investing in those locations.
1: So look, I think we've, we've covered most of that. I hope that sort of cleared up a little bit about um, Greater Brisbane, as we call it. Um, but look in the future episodes, we've got more planned coming up. So I hope you've enjoyed still listening to us. We, thanks very much for people that are calling, emailing and um, giving us good reviews. We really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad everyone enjoys the chats we have. Um, just in the future, a couple of things we're going to talk about. Um, episodes talk about some jobs, um, commute times, um, how they're changing, and we'll give you some accurate information on that. Public transport, what's planned for future. Um, obviously some guests and we'll continue our Insider Secrets coming up. So look, that's it from me. Thanks very much for listening again. I'll let Melinda do a wrap. Um, So thanks very much and bye for now.
0: I hope that hasn't been too data intensive again, but um, I hope you've found some value in understanding more about Greater Brisbane and what makes up that information that you may be relying upon to make your investment decisions. Uh, That's it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Please don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family. And if you do love what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to receive your feedback, as Scott said, and we look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks so much for your time. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is generally nature. And we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes. And of course, tell your friends about us.